What's up everyone? This is Dariusz Kalbarczyk, co-founder of MG Poland, JS Poland, AngularMaster.dev and WorkshopFest.dev. Welcome back to Angular Master Podcast. Today we've got a special guest from London, UK. MC, speaker, trainer, community leader, ladies and gentlemen, Gerard Sands. Hello, hello everyone. Hi, hi Gerard. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little bit cold. I don't know if you have noticed my uh, my hat. Yeah. Uh, I'm quite I, I'm quite warm now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can also see my jumper. I mean this is a in the middle of winter here in the UK. Is it winter in UK now? No. Well, not not officially, but okay. I mean, the temperature <laughs> the temperature is is quite cold. Okay, it's like a ten ten um, degrees. Yes, or? yes, totally, okay. totally. Okay. I mean, it depends on the day, but you know, it can be like gray, uh, cloudy, and uh, and cold. Gerard, because you are MC, we have to announce something. Okay. Can you do it? Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Yeah, so regarding your 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 MC and we have NG Poland and JS Poland very soon. What happened? Well, what happened? Uh I think you just invited me to be the MC and exactly. I agreed. <laughs> that was that was it more or less more or less yes so thank you so much and yeah i'm looking forward for it for, for this so it's it's it's, a, yeah, it's a, just a great news for it's a great news and great yeah. announcement i'm excited too because that means that i will be there which you know it's always it's always nice yeah exactly exactly yeah meeting in person is Yeah, totally. I've been I've been missing that. Uh, I guess with uh, together with everyone. Yeah, exactly. And we have a great community and great people in this community. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so let's talk about some technical stuff now. And uh, sure, what? let's go for it. Yeah. So, what is GraphQL? Do we really need it? Oh wow! So you. <laughs> <laughs> you start you start strong yeah okay so i mean this is this is a this is a good question and when you are trying to introduce a technology that maybe you know some of the people uh, haven't used yet uh, i think is a fair question i mean uh, do i need it do i need uh, this uh, technology at all i mean why should i look into it and <laughs> i guess because I'm kind of a evangelist in GraphQL, and I've been since the early days, like back in uh, in 2016. It's now been few years, and I think compared to the beginning, or at least uh, from the release of uh, GraphQL as a new technology, there has been a lot of uh, exciting developments, and I would say that as with any other technology, you want to make sure that it's a good fit for your project. So one thing I would say is look into your project, see what are the requirements for it, and then look into GraphQL. If you think that that's a good match, then I will uh, explore it 
I would uh, do like a proof of concept, uh, maybe spend one or two days uh, building, you know, uh, an easy, an easy, easy enough application. Try some of the features that your project is going to use and then uh, make a decision. But I would say that it's very interesting technology that you should at least be aware of what you can do with it. And of course, if you decide to use it, then yeah. Hope, hope you the best. I mean, of course, there's uh, so many variables that it's difficult to answer, you know, uh, in this kind of a generic uh, context. Well, but I would say that totally give it, give it a, a look and uh, maybe try it in a, small, in a small project. So if I try it, if I like it, so how to start with GraphQL? Well, there's, uh, today there's so many uh, good uh, resources for that. You can probably uh, start in uh, the graphql.org website. I mean, there's, uh, there's other resources. There's another uh, website that is how to GraphQL. I mean, it's easy, it's easy enough to memorize how to GraphQL. And it starts with uh, you know, all the basics, and it gives you also a playground. So you can uh, test and run uh, some queries right there in the website. So uh, I think probably that's where I would start if you are just, you know, wondering like, okay, how this, how this GraphQL technology looks like. Okay. So um, what are the most common mistakes made at the beginning? Well, usually I think that uh, the... The most uh, difficult task for someone that is starting is usually making sense of that is a new technology and is not, you know, rest. And of course, we cannot talk about GraphQL without talking about REST uh, APIs. And because we have been using REST APIs for so long, we have, you know, some ideas, preconceived ideas about how dealing with uh, endpoints and APIs and how they should work. So it will take a little bit of time to, to get uh, the idea of this query language that you can use, and then you can run your queries on top of a GraphQL schema. And these are few concepts that uh, probably it will take some time for you to familiarize. Okay, so... Uh... What to uh, pay a special attention uh, in uh, new projects? So when you are starting a new project using a new technology like GraphQL, I would say that most people look into it as a migration. So they actually have already a REST API and they want to migrate, but they don't want to switch, do a big bang Uh, migration, which will be uh, disable the REST API and move all the APIs into GraphQL. That's probably not what I would recommend. But if you are going to use GraphQL in a in a new project, then it's a little bit easier because there's no migration involved. Uh, but you will have to translate. Uh, if you have developers that they are familiar with REST, you will have to... Uh, teach them how to build a GraphQL schema and transform uh, how they would build a REST API into how they will build a GraphQL server. 
So for the you... same for the same purpose. Okay, okay. So they should pay uh, special attention to those initial steps. So they uh, they build uh, the same you know quality uh, endpoint that they will build usually with a with a REST endpoint, but now with a GraphQL endpoint. Okay. So uh, when is um, when is a good idea to use GraphQL versus um, REST? Well, the thing is, this is not as easy. I mean, I could go ahead and say use GraphQL in any case. I mean, that's also an approach. Uh, like go uh, crazy and say like just use GraphQL in every occasion. But the reality is that it's not, it's not that easy. And usually when you are in a, in a real uh, you know, work environment, there's a lot of uh, dependencies and there's a lot of teams involved and they may have to do you know, uh, or buy into the idea of replacing the REST APIs using a new technology. So you may be restricted on how much you can do and maybe some some of the things you need to do you will need to uh get some other teams in board with your uh thinking so one thing that uh i can tell you is that graphql is an evolution of rest it doesn't necessarily replace rest because there's still some use cases where rest it's uh definitely better And this is because REST is more mature and has been around longer. So you will find more uh, products develop on top of it. The thing is, GraphQL being an evolution of REST, it also offers new features and capabilities that REST is not able to offer. And some of these capabilities are, for example, automation. And it's uh, able, GraphQL is able to auto-document the APIs, which is some issue that the REST API have solved um, in the past by using third-party uh, tools. But knowing that GraphQL has that feature uh, built in, it's uh, one of the benefits. There are other benefits uh, from GraphQL that are not uh, in REST, at least not uh, built on its design. So that will make GraphQL in most of the scenarios uh, better, but then it just depends on how much knowledge you have invested on GraphQL. So your teams with this new technology. Okay. Maybe I maybe I answered too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not too okay. long. It's, it's well said. Thank you so much. So um, uh, how to validate queries in GraphQL? I think it's uh, one of the yeah. most Yeah, so this is a good, good follow-up. Yeah. So what happens is when you are building using REST API, one of the main issues is that the implementation may change. And if you have been working in a in a project, you know that some of the endpoints are usually handled by the backend team. And the backend team, most of the times, are not in good communication or terms with the front-end team. Sometimes they are the same people. Sometimes they are different teams. But one of the main issues uh, historically is that 
somebody in the backend decides to change how the endpoint behaves and the front-end people is the last people to know. So what will happen is you will run your clients and there will be some parameter that maybe has changed its name. Maybe the JSON response has changed slightly and you will only realize after you go through testing. One thing that happens when you are using GraphQL is that that's not even possible. Every time that you run a query, GraphQL on its own will only allow you to use queries that are valid. And that is similar to what TypeScript does for JavaScript. Uh, you cannot compile, you cannot build a code. Uh, if you are building a, an application using TypeScript, it won't compile. It, the linter won't allow you to even, you know, go through the development. This is exactly the same in GraphQL. When you are building a GraphQL API, the thing that you will need first is to build what is called a GraphQL schema. And the GraphQL schema give, gives you all of the information about the types and also the relationships between the types. So you cannot build a query that won't work. And in any case, if the backend uh, GraphQL schema changes, it won't allow you to build, which is uh, very important because you don't want to realize that there's some error later on in runtime. So the moment you build your client, it will complain and it will tell you exactly what's uh, failing in your query, which is, you know, it's a big, it's a big uh, enhancement compared to, for example, REST, which you always need to execute the query to get the result or to get uh, an error. With GraphQL, you are in your uh, code editor, and while you are coding, the code uh, fetching the data or interacting with the GraphQL endpoint, it will give you feedback right there, which is something that maybe you, you didn't know it's available today. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, okay. Uh, it's a good idea to use um, GraphQL for mobile applications. Well, actually, that's, that's an excellent question. Actually, GraphQL was specifically designed for mobile. Okay. And it's funny because this information somehow has, uh, has been lost, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know why, but the main focus when uh, Facebook, because GraphQL is a technology that comes from uh, from Facebook in uh, in 2015, uh, what happens is that they uh, design GraphQL exactly for their mobile app. So the first time that Facebook releases uh, Facebook as a mobile app, this is when they create this technology. So actually, it's specifically made to be uh, very performant and to be used for mobile apps. Yeah. Uh, later on, we can see how GraphQL is also useful for web apps, but it was originally uh, designed for mobile, which is a, a very good fit. So if you are building mobile apps, GraphQL is exactly what you need. Okay, what is schema? So the schema is at the central point of uh, GraphQL. And in any case, 
either if you are creating a new uh, GraphQL server or you want to uh, use or query information from a, a GraphQL uh, endpoint, the schema is at the center. And as I explained a little bit uh, before, it defines the types and also the fields and the relationship within uh, those types so the clients can query uh, the server in the way that they uh, that they need. So next question is about query. So what is query then? So this is this is a, a concept that uh, GraphQL introduces, and is because we have this GraphQL schema. A query is a way for you to gather to fetch information out of it, and. This is one of the main uh, benefits of GraphQL as a technology because it gives all the power of creating uh, the responses from the API. And this is uh, made when you do the query. So actually, the clients and the developers, they can decide what fields and what relations are being included within a query. And uh, this is very important because sometimes you ask, for example, the information for a, a user, but then you want to dip deep, deeper into that uh, entity or that type. And in a normal uh, REST API endpoint, you will have to wait until you get the response to do more queries. So, for example, I will do a query to get the user uh, profile information. And then I will get, I don't know, I want to get the friends uh, of that user. Then I will need uh, the information coming from that initial API and do the subsequent queries. Uh, that's one way. Another way is to ask the backend uh, team to create a new API that will give me both the information for the user and the friends. But as you can As you can see, this becomes, you know, a hassle because every time a, a developer needs, you know, more information or bring more data into a, into a client, into a screen, for example, then this developer needs to talk to the backend team and then ask them to build this endpoint. And if they, if they are busy or maybe there's no backend team anymore because the backend was built, you know, months ago, that will mean that the developer building the client will have to do that, you know, mashup of information on the client, which is the worst place because it's uh, very expensive. Okay. So uh, what is muta mutation? So with uh, GraphQL, mutations are the way you change the schema. So the queries were the way to fetch information from a GraphQL server. A mutation is a way to change that GraphQL server. And this is a specific query. It's still a query. So you're using a query language to do that. And then you tell the GraphQL server what information you want uh, to change. So that will be, you know, part of uh, the cycle of, you know, your application. So if you want to build a crude application, that will be part of your uh, queries. So what is a subscription then? Well, we cover how to fetch data and how to mutate uh, 
the backend. But the subscription is some interesting concept which allows you to receive notifications. Whenever there's a change in your uh, GraphQL schema, you can subscribe to a specific mutations. So you can listen to create, uh, update, and delete events and get a notification. And the power uh, of subscriptions is that the client can specify what information goes into those notifications. So you are always in control and you don't waste, you know, bandwidth. So that's uh, going back to the original uh, idea that this is uh, made and designed for mobile applications. So actually, if you are in a very tiny, uh, very restricted, uh, you know, in features, a client, like an old mobile phone, you can actually uh, define a much smaller query, so you are making a, a better use with. Uh, can you repeat? And if it you are in a, it, yeah, if you imagine you are using a web client, so in that in that uh, in that context, I can ask for all of the information, maybe more information. I can show images. I can show uh, my friends. I can show the pictures of my friends. But if I'm in a mobile application, which is exactly the same, it's just a different client. Now, because I'm a, in a more restricted uh, client, uh, I can code that same screen, knowing that it's a phone. And then I can decide, I don't want the images of my friends. I will just get the name. Uh, so in that UI, you won't see the, the images because I'm guessing that that client will be on their phone and they don't need as much information to go through the bandwidth. So I can save uh, you know, some bandwidth to just show the name of the friends and not you know, the full profile the full information. Stuff, yeah. Okay. Okay, so is that is that clear enough? I mean, it's a little bit abstract. No, no, it's but... it's, it's really clear. Yeah, it's really clear. And uh, the next question is, what are resolvers? Okay, so this is a little bit going more into detail, and we are now moving. We like it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. So we are moving into the server side, and GraphQL works both on the client. Uh, in this, in the, you know, in the query language form. But when we move into the server side, we are now moving into a execution environment. So, of course, the query that you build in your client goes into the server. And now the server needs to fulfill, you know, the query, being a query or a mutation. So the server needs to parse that query and then execute it. Uh, on the server side. So maybe as a web developer, you are not so much familiar with what happens on the server side, but this is a little bit more detail into uh, what happens after you run a query in your client. So that query will travel to the server, and then on the server, following the GraphQL schema definition, it will execute uh, what is called a resolver to in order to create the JSON that will be sent back to the client. So you can imagine uh, a call tree of resolvers. So that query will uh, be transformed into a a query uh, uh, 
uh, a, a query tree of calls to resolvers. And these resolvers will be either behind a type that it's defined on the GraphQL schema or behind a field, which will be any of the properties in a, in a specific type. So then you can codify these resolvers so you can decide if you want to go to the database, collect the data, and uh, there's some arguments that you can use to figure it out uh, what information was required uh, from the client. And the funny thing is that most of it is just kind of a skeleton. GraphQL doesn't tell you what to do in your resolver. It's just a JavaScript uh, function, and you can actually implement it in any way you want. You can use any, uh, you know, database. You could use memory. Uh, most of the examples that you see online are just, you know, uh, node examples. You can use some uh, object in memory to implement like a quick, uh, quick and dirty GraphQL server. You can use or RMs, you can use, even you can use other technologies. You don't need to use JavaScript. You can use uh, Python or any other technologies that you use in your, in your company. And then use that and just get the final uh, result that you will send to the client. So you can mix and match uh, these resolvers that can maybe access disk access a database, access, uh, you know, uh, a REST API even if you want. And then once you gather all of the information by executing these uh, three of uh, resolvers, you will then get a JSON uh, back to the client. So it's actually very flexible in, uh, in the implementation side. Um, most people think that GraphQL will force you into to sub technology in the back end but actually it's only a function you can uh, you can use anything anything on the back end to gather the information you could use uh, sms you know uh, uh, a text message that is waiting for a reply and then use that and send it back with a json um, so it's it's very very flexible in that in that sense that's amazing that's really, really cool so uh, most important question now are they any good GraphQL tools for Angular developers? Yeah, yeah. There has been uh, a lot uh, of interest, uh, mostly in the, you know, because we are talking of uh, Facebook uh, technology. Uh, there's a lot of interest in the React community, but actually in the Angular community, there's also have been uh, following uh, with interest. And there's a library, which is uh, Apollo Angular. And this goes back to the effort that Apollo uh, has done within the GraphQL uh, community to build tools and libraries around GraphQL. And this is more uh, a community effort which is backed up by Apollo. But there's other uh, companies like the Guild that they have contributed with different uh, micro libraries and tools. And in Angular, there's actually support for this Apollo Angular client, which is supporting up to the latest uh, version of Apollo uh, client, which is version three. So 
all of the things that you can build using Apollo, uh, you can use within Angular, or you can use also maybe a JavaScript client. Uh, there's other options that are, uh, you know, JavaScript, vanilla JavaScript uh, base. But if you are using uh, Angular, you can use Apollo Angular for that. Perfect. So how to implement GraphQL in Angular? Well, there's uh, Apollo uh, Angular. You can use that, and it uh, it matches perfectly with uh, with Angular. It will uh, be using uh, RxJS behind the scenes, and then there are different architectures that you can use. But usually, you will match a component in Angular with a query, and that could be uh, when I'm mentioning a query, it could be a query or a mutation. And there's also support for uh, uh, subscriptions. So you can also implement real-time. Um, I would say that there's nothing missing in, uh, in the Angular uh, side of things to take full advantage of GraphQL. Can you tell me uh, about the future of GraphQL in general? Well, the future has changed and it was very promising you know, uh, when it was released, and it was a little bit uh, not so much uh, clear where GraphQL would, uh, you know, uh, be. That was maybe in, you know, around 2016. I mean, the release was 2015, and now we are in 2021. It's uh, in, you know, in technology years, this, this is now a mature technology that it's been used by Facebook, but now there are other companies uh, that are using it. Probably close to developers is GitHub. Uh, recently, we have learned that they have replaced all of the uh, classic API, REST API uh, endpoints with GraphQL implementations. So even if you are using a REST API to access a GitHub, Behind the scenes, there's a GraphQL uh, server that is providing uh, the data for those APIs. So a lot of people have uh, implemented their businesses using only GraphQL, and there are many examples today, uh, like Twitter, Airbnb, um, big corporations like uh, big AWS names. Uh, yeah. are using it uh, for years now. So it's uh, it's a consolidated technology. Uh, it's just a shame that not many Angular developers are uh, taking advantage of it because it's, it's just another technology. <laughs> so what are the limitations of GraphQL? Of course, there are limitations. And the limitations for GraphQL... Uh, come from you know the years that has been around, and these limitations are going away as you know as more people is using it uh, on a day to day basis and I would say that there's no many limitations at this point um, there was you know historically historically there were some limitations for example in uh, tracking performance in uh, catching uh, solutions available and uh, all of these have been removed so now there are commercial uh, solutions there's solutions from apollo there's uh, also now uh, graphql uh, federation available there's uh, there's a lot of things that 
will support your uh, your implementation in the long term so you won't have to worry much on finding you know kind of the places where there's a gap or nobody has found uh, themselves uh, yet there with uh, you know something that they they don't know how to implement with graphql so i would say that now it's quite safe it's not you know it's not something uh, that it's in uh, research or it's uh, an early adopter uh, kind of a scenario it's a mature technology anything that you can imagine it's been solved and it's not as mature as rest so you may find still some edges some uh, implementation details that maybe you have to implement yourself but i would say that it's it's very rare these days okay that's perfect it was the last technical questions sure uh, question uh, i have a uh, few more non technical it is our oh tradition boy. in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. what kind of person is Gerard? How do you see yourself? This is oh, the hardest. What, what kind of person? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you mean like... Uh, uh, How do you I'm, see yourself? Um, hmm. I think as a person, I, uh, I'm very open-minded. Uh, I'm very uh, independent and I like to be open to new ideas. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not close to anything. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to listen and I'm happy to change my mind. Uh, so that would be probably the kind of person that I want to be. Uh, I don't want to be like close minded or, you know, like, some some people can be sometimes and uh, yeah i don't know kind of person uh, i try to i try to be uh, funny i don't like to be serious all the time Too and serious. i like to why i like be, to mix why is serious <laughs> yeah i mean you can also be you can always be serious no but who wants to be serious all the time i yeah, mean that's a exactly. little bit too uh too extreme but yeah that's more or less uh i've been lately doing a lot of uh fitness and uh, like i changed kind of my uh, my lifestyle uh, but this is, I guess, for everyone in the last in the last year or so because of the lockdowns and and COVID. But um, yeah, this is more or less uh, how I see myself. Um, perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. I know it's hard question, but yeah, I, but I love this question. Uh, do you have um, some hints for us regarding self organization? Oh, self-organization. I mean, yeah. I would say, I would say that um, you mean like to be uh, efficient or to be more uh, productive or more productive. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, in my experience, this can be, this can mean different things to different people. So I would say, uh, try, be open to try different approaches, and then uh, you will. I mean, you will see if something works when you feel better and you feel like you're achieving more and you feel uh, happy. So as long as you are happy, it could be anything. I mean, I don't mind too much uh, how much you do. If you do a lot, but you are not happy, then something is wrong. Uh, 
So it's a balance. You need to find a balance for your happiness. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not able to tell what is that for you. I mean, you need to try and try to figure it out. And I guess you need to try different approaches. And if you, if you find something that works, then you stay, you stay with that. But also be open to try other things. I mean, there's so many things that you can try. But if you, if you feel uh, happy, I think that's a good, that's a good indicator that uh, you are doing well. Um, I think in our industry, there's the risk, there's always the risk of uh, what's this, how it's called? Um, uh, Burning when, out? No, when you are burn, burned out, I think it's called. So you don't want to be burned out. Uh, our job is very cerebral, so you want to have like a clear mind. Uh, you don't want to be, you know, crazy in your head or tired. Yeah. So you want to be calm. You want to be uh, with energy. So you need to, you know, take care of your sleep patterns, uh, what you eat. Uh, you feel energetic. Uh, it's uh, it's not that easy. I mean, uh, it's kind of a a loaded question, but I would say that yeah, try try different things, and then uh, I think the a good you know a good indicator is happiness. If you are happy, then I think it's it's working. If you are not happy, if you are stressed, if you feel burnout, then uh, look into ways of uh, maybe taking less work or you know taking responsibilities out because maybe you are trying to do too much. Uh, so, yeah, that's so my... So how you, how you understand a work-life balance? Uh, well, it's complex because you, I think it's more like, you know, that, that those people that they take, you know, the sticks and they try to put the, the, the plates on the, on the sticks. So as long as you can manage... It's it's it changes. It depends because maybe you can deal with one thing well, or maybe you can deal with two three things well. I mean, it depends on you. So you take you take one responsibility. If you are good, maybe you take a second responsibility. If you are good, maybe you want to take a third responsibility, or maybe you are stressed, you want to take one out. So it may change maybe when you are younger you can do more when you are older you can do less so a good advice would be adjust adjust so you are not i mean you will feel something when you are doing too much you will be stressed you will be sleeping badly you will uh, get overweight uh, i mean there's some red flags so and as long as there are not any red flags, I think it's, I, I would say it's okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well said. So do you have any favorite for hobbies? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, lately I've been doing uh, a lot of fitness, so I like running. I like swimming uh, you know, something that gets you active and, I don't like to be always in the same the same place. So it also gives you like some routine to go out and uh, and uh, you know take your mind off things. I saw some photos of you uh, and Todd Mota swimming together, but oh, it yeah, was yeah. not normal swimming in a swimming pool. It was like a, I don't know, 
can you can you explain it a little bit more oh this is a uh, so this year not yeah. this year but last year uh because of the lockdown and all the restrictions you could not do many things but one thing that you could do is go into an open space i mean of course if it's you know if it's not a closed space it was allowed and yeah. then you could um so we we tried as an experiment we tried to uh, go swimming in uh, in a lake uh when it was allowed i mean it was also a short time that it was allowed and it was a new activity and uh, after you know, a few months of running or, you know, you, you get fit enough to do this kind of thing because, of course, you don't want to go into the middle of a lake if you are not fit enough. Uh, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> that. Uh, so you need to, you know, get fit a little bit so you get more uh, endurance and you get more stamina. And then, of course, you can try things like this. I mean, you are in in the middle of the nature uh, you to be well equipped uh, when we tried this it was in the middle of winter so we need to get we got like a special equipment and and i don't know i think it's it's nice to try something different and and that was also the little like the few things that you could do in the middle of a of a lockdown so that's also why uh, why we tried this i guess it's boredom you know you don't want to be like all the time at home Swimming so this in was an excuse. Swimming in winter sounds a little bit crazy. Well, it is. It is. It is a bit crazy. Is uh, so you can imagine we are we were a little bit desperate to get out of home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds. In normal conditions, I wouldn't do it. I would prefer <laughs> to be, you know, in a beach, in a in, okay. a in a sunny beach in a, in Spain. But yeah, if you are in England, <laughs> then you. Then you go to a lake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not sunny beach. Um, last question: How do you remember your last visit to Poland? Oh, my last! Oh, it was fantastic. Um, my last visit to Poland, I was surprised, and I was, uh, you know, greatly surprised because you never know. I mean, when you travel. It was also my uh, my first one of my first visits to uh, Poland, and I I was a little bit you know scared. I mean you you never know. I mean I'm anyway I'm from Spain, uh, so I'm used to you know Spanish ways, but uh, the countries on the east are a little bit uh, different. So I wasn't sure what I was going to find, and uh, I was I was uh, greatly surprised when I saw that actually it could it could be better than you know uh, Spain and I found like little little places I love to go to uh, coffee places so I went I went to a couple of them and they they serve like really good food and uh, everything was modern I mean I was like wow I mean Poland is not what I what I thought <laughs> this is actually very good and uh, yeah I, I saw a lot of uh, technology companies and yeah, I was surprised. 
actually, uh, I recommend anyone to go to Poland for the food, but uh, I guess for technology as well, there's a lot of, uh, what's this, innovation going on. And I was like, wow, the community, the technology, the tech community is, is also quite, uh, quite big in there. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for this nice word. Yeah, it's sure. Okay, so uh, Gerard, thank you, thank you so much for this um, podcast. Uh, sure, no worries. You deliver a lot of great knowledge, so it's it's always um, uh, I'm always happy to talk to you. It's always fun, and <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing. So one more time, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for for reaching out, and I mean it will be my uh, my total pleasure to join uh, for another event. And I know you have been uh, working hard to uh, you know to make a a good event. You know we are going back to in person, so I'm sure it will be you know smashing. And uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to miss it, not for anything. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.